The Standard. About three or four weeks ago, I was watching a program on YouTube called Brain Games. The host was creating scenarios around the idea of saving lives. What he did was he took a random group of people and gave them scenarios that caused them to choose how many people they could save. In the first scenario, there was a group of people who were on uh, the train tracks in the way of an oncoming train. The participant had the option to pull the switch that would redirect the train so that it would only sacrifice one person as opposed to the many. And truth of the matter, y'all, it really sounds like, you know, Star Trek movie where Spock was going to sacrifice his life and James Kirk thought there must be another way. And Spock said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Yeah. In anyway, uh, in the scenario, the person could save one person or many. And you can easily guess which one the person chose to save, as would most of us. They decided to save or sacrifice the one and save the many which is a logical, merciful, humanitarian thing to do. In the next scenario, the host posed a different plot, but with the same odds. Only this time, he changed the characters in the scene. The many were still just random people in need of saving. However, the one person that had to be sacrificed to save the many was a person uh, the person loved most or someone that was close to him. Now, in every case with every person, the outcome that was so clear and obvious before now was muddy and unclear. What was obvious became less apparent, all because the person to be sacrificed was no longer a random personality, but someone they knew and loved. Now, the many must die in order to preserve the one. In reality, we don't need a lecture on our responsibility to the cause of Christ in the world. We already know it. We know what we're supposed to do. Love thy neighbor as thyself. What we need is courage to live up to the standard that has already been given. Who we are as believers is not contingent on our ability to live up to the standard. All we have to do is believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and we have eternal life. God, through a very courageous act, sacrificed his son to save the many. In Christ's own words, he said this, you do not take my life. I lay it down. In other words, this is my duty. This is what I came to do. Christ chose us because he, we mattered to him. Even when he was sweating drops of blood, he still chose God's will over his own. We mattered to God, therefore we mattered to Christ in the hour of his greatest anguish. Too many times we choose self-preservation in the face of social pressure and personal preference. We are afraid of the sacrifice, afraid of losing friends, family, or social interaction with, co with co-workers, afraid of what it might cost us to really follow Christ. But if the banner of Jesus is to be raised during social unrest, if the masses, saved or not, are to see are to see and be reminded of a better way to respond to brokenness, to their hurt, to their misuse, abuse, and disappointment. There must be a standard greater than our emotions. There must be something we look to when what we see makes no sense at all. Justice must be tempered with compassion and love even when it's not deserved. You see, the standard of Christ's sacrifice for all humanity must become the flag we wave if we're going to, going to survive our own indecision. 
That example of love must be preserved above all else. It must be the guiding principle that engages our heart and our mind as we participate with our neighbor. There are situations, y'all, that provoke me to anger and utter outrage. But the standard keeps me grounded so that I don't lose my way. Sometimes I am disappointed beyond words. I have no words to say, but the standard says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even when I feel like they know exactly what they've done. The standard only works, y'all, if it's married to sacrifice. Someone has to say, I'll be the person who dies for the many. I'll die to my opinion and what I think. I'll die to my anger, though I feel justified. I'll die to my outrage, even though I want to do something. I'll die to my disgust. I'll die because a seed can only give birth to its greatest potential when it dies. Can you imagine what the world would have been like if Jesus had not died? There would be no reference point for real unchanging love, only fickle human affection to determine what love looked like. And y'all know, depending on how we feel on a particular day determines what we do in terms of right and wrong. See, if Christ had not died, forgiveness would not would be a foregone conclusion because no one would give it, even though everyone would want to receive it. The possibility of real lasting freedom from our mistakes, from our mistakes, wouldn't would, would be just a pipe dream. If Jesus had not died, vengeance, hatred, anger, malice, retribution, maliciousness, corruption, and retaliation would be would rule the day. There would be no peace, joy, hope, restoration, reconciliation, consolation, or comfort. There would be no standard by which to gauge our return to sanity, only the sin that so easily besets us all. Because he died. We not only have a life we can live, but a standard that acts as a guide to straighten us out when our emotions get the best of us. Loving our neighbor is more than just looking at them. It's more. It's more than just looking at them, y'all. It's seeing their struggle to become all God intended and saying, hey, what can I do to help? Loving your neighbor is seeking to understand their journey because all lives matter, even if it looks like some lives don't. When Jesus died, his sacrifice became the standard for all believers everywhere. Love hid all our sins. It kept no records of wrongs done and said, you are free. And by the way, it still works. If we can get over ourselves, if we can put our feelings where they belong, if we can take our proclivities and preferences and understandings of what is valuable and useful and see them through the eyes of love, it will work. Love, y'all, means we all have worth, no matter what stage of life we may be in. If people are breathing, they are worth loving, not the ones we call our own, but the ones who look and act like our enemy. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44 and 45, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And just for the record, we would all be enemies of God if Christ hadn't died. It was his sacrifice to the standard of life more abundant that reinstated and restored our original position in creation. I'm telling you, y'all, it really was the rise of the fallen. And I'll close with this. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why did the Lord say turn the other cheek? Could it be? Could it be that to turn the other cheek stops the cycle of reaping what was sown? Violence begets violence. 
Hatred begets hatred and so forth. When we take the blow and let it stop with us, the standard of Christ's love gets the chance to show how and why love really works and what it looks like. We get the chance to live beyond our pain in fellowship with our neighbor. And by the way, who is our neighbor? Any person in proximity to where I am. I'm Dr. Alvin Summers, pastor of East Campus of First Baptist Church Indian Trail in Marshville, North Carolina. And you've been listening to Soul Food. Thank you.